It is a Football Friday, Week 3 edition, and the challenge is a big one this week. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. They are maybe the best team in football right now. They are the Dallas Cowboys, and they visit State Farm Stadium on Sunday. We give our thoughts on the matchup, plus head into enemy territory to get that side of the matchup. First, though, another Kyler Murray update. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 676, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So we know Kyler Murray will not play this week, but Kyler Murray has been in the news this week, has been in the news a lot this week. He has been posting a lot on social media, kind of giving fans a glimpse behind the scenes on his recovery from ACL surgery. So the obvious follow-up to that on Friday, Zach, was to ask the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, about Kyler Murray. And we learned something, actually a couple of different things, but we learned something about the head coach. One, and this is not a surprise, doesn't quite follow social media. He doesn't have the time for it. But he joked, quote, I have an iPhone 2. I was like, wow, okay, so that is, that's going back a ways. You have an iPhone 2? I believe I've got an iPhone, shoot, I don't even know what mine is, 12, 13, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same once it's you ba- get past eight. Exactly. <laughs> I don't use it to call. I use it for everything else but picking up the phone and calling <laughs> everyone. But, yeah, Jonathan, again, just, and it's, again, it's not a surprise, but the fact that he's got a setting again, an iPhone 2. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And here's why I don't believe it. Kyler Murray said explicitly in the TikTok, I'm itching to get back out there. What did JG say when he was on the podium? <laughs> Quote, Kyler is itching to get back out there. I don't think that that was a coincidence by any stretch of the imagination. But hey, maybe JG's iPhone 2 actually like speaks to the future. I don't know. All right. You might be on to something there because I actually did look it up. There was never an iPhone 2 made. I mean, the iPhone debuted, as I look here on my iPhone. That's what it's used for. Debuted in 2007, but... There was never an iPhone 2, and there wasn't even an iPhone 3. So, so they started with an iPhone 4. There was an iPhone 3G and then an iPhone 4, so ah. they kind of skipped the two. But I, to Gannon's point, he was joking that his phone is so old, it probably doesn't have the social media apps that you and I have, and basically 99% of anyone listening to this show. Listen, if there's an iPhone, there's an iPhone 15 coming out, <laughs> which is exciting and all, but... If you don't know how to use the apps within it, then you could have the best phone out there. That's true. So JG could have the iPhone 20 for all that cares. If he doesn't have a TikTok account, he's not going to be able to follow Kyler Murray. Although if he just goes on any other social media platform, it's being shared everywhere. Or azcardinals.com. How about that? He doesn't even need a phone. He has his laptop. (laughs) Exactly. And I know the company, I know the organization (laughs) provides those. Now, there was some bit of news with respects to Kyler Murray and Gannon and the plan because, one, there is no guarantee that once week four ends, which would be that Monday, October 2nd, that Kyler Murray would be activated. He is eligible to be activated off IR at that point, but there has been no determination, according to Gannon, at least not right now. The interesting part was, and I think there's a belief among some, Zach, that when 
Kyler does get activated, he'll play that week. And I just I find that hard to believe because he's been doing absolutely no football activities. In fact, Gannon mentioned the words weeks of practice before Kyler would be able to play in a game. I mean, Zach Ertz was elevated off the pup on August 14th, and he did not really get into any sort of physical activity until week one's game in Washington. So it's going to take some time to get adjusted to the offense. He's going to have different weapons on the outside. He's got a Michael Wilson that he has not necessarily thrown to because because he hasn't been there. It's a completely different scheme. So while you expect Kyler Murray to right away jump in and snap your fingers and he's the Kyler Murray of old, that's unrealistic and that's not going to happen. The one thing I will say with JG and the way he spoke about it, I appreciate a little bit of that transparency. We have not been able to get much of that out of JG, especially early on during training camp. He would just say, we'll wait and see. We're not 100% sure which way this is going to go. That's what we would hear. Hearing Jonathan Gannon say, it's going to take some time. This is a process. We're not rushing him. It was refreshing to hear. They value the, the type of possession you have in a Kyler Murray. And we've heard before whenever anyone is asked about a player coming back from an injury, oh, we have a good plan in place. And that's exactly what Gannon said regarding Kyler coming off that ACL injury. And the plan is adaptable. Maybe Kyler doesn't need as much ramp-up time as, say, a Zach Ertz or someone else. You're not going to know that until that first day Kyler hits the practice field and then the next day how does he respond so there is going to be time before we see Kyler Murray play in a game again how much time don't know but another interesting aspect in all this is now you're in season so okay Kyler Murray is available he's practicing but if he's not ready to start that game or even be the backup well you got to get Josh Dobbs ready you got to get Clayton Toon ready. So how do you divvy up the reps? And once again, Gannon said there is a good plan in place because you are limited on how many reps you have within a practice. So it is going to be a lot of moving pieces, moving targets, if you will, is trying to figure out, okay, we need to get ready for this week's game. But also, we also have this player that we really love. We're anxious to see him play because <laughs> we haven't seen him play. So how do we get the team ready for Sunday, and then Kyler Murray ready for maybe it's this Sunday or the following Sunday or the Sunday after that. So it's going to be fascinating to watch that work. Of course it will be. And when you, as part of the offense, you got to know who's throwing you the ball. And you're, you're going to want to see Kyler Murray get out there, and you're going to want to see him perform and play like the Kyler Murray of old. See Kyler Murray be Kyler Murray. But you're also playing football to win the football games. And your objective is to practice like you want to play in the game. So you're going to need to get Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon the same amount of reps that they've been getting because you're going to go into every single game week the same exact way. Now, this would have been the perfect week for Kyler Murray because he loves playing against the Dallas Cowboys. He's undefeated. It's that hometown cooking. Exactly. Undefeated against the Cowboys, but we will not see... Kyler on the field on Sunday when the Cardinals host the undefeated Cowboys at State Farm Stadium. 125 is the kickoff. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. We will dive further into that matchup when we are joined by Kyle Yeomans, on-air host and producer for the Dallas Cowboys, dallascowboys.com. But some injury news, both Cardinals and Cowboys related. First, for the Cardinals, we know that Carlos Watkins will not play. In fact, he needs surgery on an injured biceps. He is for all intents and purposes, going to miss a lot of time, if not the entire rest of the season. 
Josh Woods, though, will not play this week. He'll miss a second straight game with an ankle injury, although Gannon said, quote, Woods is trending the right way. So that is good news to have one of your starting inside linebackers back on the field sooner rather than later. Speaking of sooner, Lucky Fotu, who did not play last week because of a shoulder issue, will be on the field this week, and that is huge for a defensive line that has been decimated with injuries, not only to Watkins, but also LJ Collier. Starting with the in, with the inside linebackers, you've had a Chris Barnes step up. You've had an Owen Papo jump in, Ezekiel Turner. These guys have been able to get in and be alongside uh, Kaiser White in the, on the linebacker unit. They haven't necessarily used as many inside linebackers because they've been so focused on getting to the quarterback and those outside linebackers rushing into and to get to whoever it is, and this week it's going to be trying to get to Dak Prescott. So you haven't necessarily seen as much. There hasn't been a drop-off when it comes to that unit. For the defensive line, man, were they gassed against the New York Giants. And Jonathan Ledbetter said, yeah, it plays a part of it a little bit. I know that Kaiser White said post-game, there's no excuse. Well, the human factor of it shows that you're able to at least recognize it. And uh, that unit took a lot more snaps than it otherwise would have. So adding a lucky foe to a big body into that unit and having more experience out of Dante Stills and Eric Banks definitely is going to be a big help for that defensive line, that that front. Yeah, you don't want Ledbetter and Kevin Strong to play 50 snaps in a game, and that's exactly what they did last week, and they ran out of gas late in that mm-hmm. game against the Giants. But if you can get a five-man rotation with Foto, Ledbetter, Strong, Stills, and then Eric Banks, elevate him perhaps to the active roster, or maybe even sign him to the active yeah. roster, depending on when they make that move for Watkins to place him on injured reserve. So that is where the Cardinals stand here on this football Friday. Now for the Cowboys, Trevon Diggs suffered a torn ACL at Thursday's practice, and that is a big loss for that Cowboys secondary. And it is something that, one, you excuse me, you never like to see. Mm-hmm. Gannon mentioned how tough that is for any team. But the fact is, the expectation for the Cowboys and how well that defense has played this season, and you lose a key piece and someone who has played very, very well, not only this season, but throughout his first three seasons in the league. He's one of the better cornerbacks in the entire league. And game respects game, talent respects talent. So when you're able to look out there and you're able to circle number seven for the Dallas Cowboys on that outside, it's somebody you always have to be mindful of. You never want to see injuries especially to that extent. That's not just some boo-boo. That's going to take a long time to recover from. We see it with Kyler Murray. We saw it with Zach Ertz. It takes a good chunk of time, and as much as it is physical, it's also that mental component. So JG said that he wishes the best for for Trayvon Diggs, and I know that extends beyond the board. Two Pro Bowls, an All-Pro selection, 18 career interceptions, and Diggs is one of those players that this is going to be something brand new. He has only missed five games through his first three seasons, and now he's looking at missing the rest of this season. So that is a big blow to the Cowboys. They do have Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis. So again, it's going to be by committee. Plus, they have a dominant front and a pass rush that certainly helps the secondary. Although I know you hear a lot with Nick Rollis, rush and cover, cover and rush. The the rush is more important. If you're going to choose one or the other, you want the rush versus the cover because if you can get to the quarterback quicker, then you don't need anyone to cover too long. And when it's Micah Parsons and Demarcus yeah. Lawrence, they're, they're going to rush, rush, rush. They're going to go right through that line and do whatever they can. They're, they're, 
They're a vicious group out there. Speaking of Micah Parsons, let's go to our conversation with Kyle Yeomans, on-air host and producer for the Dallas Cowboys, dallascowboys.com. Had a chance to speak with him on Thursday, and this was before the news about Diggs. But we began our conversation about Micah Parsons, and I asked Kyle specifically what comes to mind when anyone mentions or asks about number 11. Uh, Disruptive. Uh, I mean, game wrecker. There, there are so many different words that that could get to describe what what Mike has been doing this season. But really, he has a chance to be one word, and and that's immortal. I, I mean, the fact that he is doing what he's doing through these first two weeks of the season at such a high level, uh, it, it's pretty impressive. And the biggest question now is how long can he keep it sustained? How long can he keep it going? Because it's it's certainly been fun to watch through the first two weeks. He's playing about 80-plus percent of the defensive snaps. You mentioned it, how long can he sustain this? But based off his usage, not only this season, but his first two years, I mean, he's basically been someone that is always on the football field, correct? Yeah, it, it really stems from, I think, his conditioning and his uh, really ready-made frame for the linebacker position coming out of college. And then whenever they made the move, to an edge rusher, it, it took him a little bit of time to adjust. I mean, that's a different body build. That's a different workout regimen uh, from being a linebacker and trying to f- force off of the durability early in his career. Uh, then it turns into the speed and the agility side of it to, to, to match with the size. So I think it took some time for him to really get that durability back since he was focusing so much on uh, the longevity of, of or not even really the longevity, but just the athleticism that it took to be an edge rusher uh, when making that full-time switch last year. Now I think he's starting to combine the two, though. He's starting to combine his effectiveness as a pass rusher with some of the durability that he had trained for early in his career at the linebacker position and something that I think he'll continue to grow with uh, as his career goes along. There's no question he's been dominating these first two weeks of the regular season, but over those first two seasons, what have you seen as far as how teams have tried to slow him down and maybe not be as effective? When, whenever he has a quote unquote bad game, what are what are the what is the opponent doing? Well, they're making the, making him think. The, one of the things about Micah is is he is a a phenomenal phenomenal uh, jazz mu- musician. I mean, he is all about the. Uh, the, the, the nuances of the position. I mean, he is one of the guys that you, you don't want to script anything for Micah. He wants to play off of the ad lib. He wants to, to play off of the, the freestyle. Whereas when you make him think and you make him go scripted with the read option and misdirections and uh, certain types of movement behind the line of scrimmage, that's normally when he would be uh, in a position, like you said, where it's a quote-unquote bad game where he only has three pressures as opposed to the seven pressures and the two sacks. I mean, He's always going to have some sort of impact on the game. I mean, he's proven that through his first two years. As long as he's on the field, he's going to provide some sort of production, uh, which makes him special in his own right. But when teams are able to confuse him and make him hesitate by either running that read option, the RPO, uh, getting the misdirection rolling, that's when he's a step behind. He can still catch up and he can still make a play but for the most part, it's certainly effective on him. It's plus, I mean, you're, you can throw double teams at Michael Parsons, but he's already shown that he can beat a double team. He can work around the double team. It's really the movement 
and the motion that that does keep him at least on his toes. His play has kind of overshadowed everyone else as far as individually, whether that is a Demarcus Lawrence or the guys in the secondary. But this defense, because of Dan Quinn and his return, how big was just having everyone back for another season? Uh, that's the biggest thing. Two years in a row now, picking Dan Quinn and having that system uh, with a bit of just uh, comfortability. I mean, just having him for three years now in a system that had seen a, road, a revolving door at defensive coordinator the, the years prior to his arrival, having him back in the building is massive. And, and that's something I think kind of lost in the shuffle with the, the winning and of course, the, the, the spotlight that's always on the quarterback position and on the head coach, and now it's on Micah Parsons. But Dan Quinn deserves the majority of the credit of what has been built on this defensive spot, going and finding guys like Trayvon Diggs in the second round, J. Ron Curse uh, as an undrafted uh, rookie and somebody that they, they went out and signed off the free agent market, and now he's a key cog. Uh, some of these late-round additions that you've gone and made picks with, like Damone Clark, that are playing impact roles. So I think Dan has built this thing the way that he wanted and wanted the, the way that he intended to build it. But I don't even know if uh, the expectations were ever going to be as high as they are now on what this unit could really be because it's starting to look like something special happening on that side of the ball. I can say this now, Kyle. I could not say it during the offseason, but I had a brief interaction with Dan Quinn when he was interviewing uh -huh. for the Arizona Cardinals here within this building, but uh, that was all kind of like, you know, under wraps. But seemed like a good yeah. guy. I'd hated to see him walk out the door at that moment. But again, his decision to come back. And if we are going to nitpick this Dallas defense over two games, it's stopping the run. So what are the card or the Cowboys saying about James Conner going into this week's matchup? Well, he's a tough runner. Whenever you watch him on film, he does not go down easily, and that's really been his M.O. throughout his career. And I, I think it's so fun to watch a guy like that because not only is it the physical aspect, but it's the, the mentality that, that James Conner brings to the table that I think will challenge this, this Dallas defense. Dallas did a nice job last week of slowing down the Jets running game because they brought Brees Hall who had 140 yards in week one. They have Dalvin Cook, these two athletic backs in the backfield. And then of course, Zach Wilson escaped the pocket a couple times to, to put up some rushing yards. Uh, but for the most part, Dallas did a good job of bottling those guys up. But I say that in, in the comparison of now seeing James Conner, it's a completely different thought process. Conner is going to wear you down. Conner is going to, to plunge right in, in between the tackles make things tough at the line of scrimmage and fight for extra yards to try and help move the chains. And then it opens things up on the outside for those tight ends for Joshua Dobbs as, as a runner, possibly, of course, he, he set a career high in rushing yards last week too. So I'm, I'm interested to see just how early and often Arizona will go into the teeth of that Dallas defense. Cause teams have been showing at least through the first two weeks, you can't really throw the ball effectively against Dallas in this pass rush but they can certainly run it. So I'm, I'm interested to see just how often the Cardinals want to try and get that ground game going in that first and second quarters. You bring up Josh Dobbs. He's making his fifth career start. Second, though, against the Cowboys. He started Week 17 last season. From that game to these past two games, obviously it's a different team for him, but what have you seen as far as maybe an improvement in Dobbs from late last season to these first two games with the Cardinals? Well, I think that was right around the time where 
Joshua Dobbs was first getting his, his feet wet as a quarterback. Now you can see the confidence level has grown with him now in Arizona. And I think the big reason why he's in Arizona in the first place is the way that he played down the stretch last year with Tennessee and, and against the Cowboys late in the year. And uh, He did a great job last year of keeping Dallas off balance defensively just by the misdirection, good reads, making smart decisions with the football. I mean, he has a degree in aero science for that matter. I mean, he's a smart quarterback, and you can see that transition onto the field. He doesn't normally make these these reads, the, the wrong decisions. He's going to throw it to an open receiver. Whether or not they make the play after the fact is, is out of his hands. He made one throw last week. I, I think that was one of the better throws he's made since he was a starting quarterback with Tennessee in, in college. I mean, it was an outside route. Uh, there were levels to the, the the routes that Arizona was running against New York, and he put it in really the honey hole against the cover six defense. And it was really fun to watch uh, Joshua Dobbs kind of let it loose. I'm interested, like I said earlier, with how they're going to run the football effectively, uh, effectively against Dallas. I, I just want to see maybe some read option from Joshua Dobbs if he's going to keep things interesting against the Dallas front seven. He's going to have to tote the rock a little bit as well, and we'll see how much he can get going after putting up 40-plus yards against the Giants last week. Let's talk about the other quarterback that will be on the field on Sunday, and that would be your quarterback, Dak Prescott. Small sample size, but his completion percentage is off the charts. Is that him, the offense being a little bit more reliant on the run game, or knowing he doesn't have to do a lot because he's got the backing of a great defense? Uh, It's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I think really it's the scheme that's at hand. New play caller in town, and it's Mike McCarthy, and he's done just a, a fantastic job of setting Dak up for success uh, in in those certain scenarios. Because whenever you have the uh, the quarterback position playing with those uh, the, the mistakes last year, you'd have to put a little bit on the wide receivers. You'd have to put a little bit on the quarterback, but. This year, they haven't really put him in a situation to make those decisions. It's been within 10 yards. It's been to the playmakers. It's been with play action and and predicated off the run. So I think he's just been in a better position as a quarterback to be successful, and it it plays into his strengths as really a pocket passer, somebody that wants to get the football out quick, and they've been doing that even against two good front sevens against the Giants and the Jets these first two weeks of the season. They're going to face a good front seven again that loves the blitz from Arizona. But Dak throughout his career has shown that he knows how to pick up a blitz. He knows how to throw out of a blitz. And especially this year, he's been getting the ball out quicker. So not only is he relying on that defense, but he's turning around and he's, he's getting it out fast regardless uh, and finding a way to get it to his playmakers. I have not seen every throw that he's made this season, but for the first time since late 2021, he's gone back-to-back games without an interception. I know that was a big deal this offseason as far as the number of interceptions he's predicted not to throw this season. But is he has he put the ball in jeopardy, or is he getting the ball basically just the quick reads and getting it out sooner rather than later? Yeah, really only one bad decision last week or bad ball placement, you could say, was it was against Sauce Gardner. It was a throw from the far hash bark to the to the right sideline, and uh, he he put it right where Sauce Gardner had a chance to, to pick it off. And if he would have, it might have stuck out in, in NFL minds because it might have been a house call for for Sauce Gardner. But I think more so outside of that, just being a great play from the the reigning rookie of the year in the AFC side of things, I, I really just think it that was the only real 
wrong decision that Dak has made. And even that one, you could kind of see on the film what Dak was looking for. I think he was expecting a break back to the ball from his receiver a little bit quicker, maybe a miscommunication on that part. But uh, his wide receivers are doing a good job of building separation. Uh, He didn't have Brandon Cooks last week. He relied on a guy like Jalen Tolbert to step up, and he did so with three catches. Uh, so I think there's a, it's a cohesion on that offensive side of the ball that he hasn't had in quite some time, and I think he's excited to see how his role will continue to grow and how he can continue uh, to take care of the football while his defense is taking them away. On the ground, though, is where this Cowboys offense has had a lot of success. Tony, Tony Pollard with 39 rushing attempts already in just two games. Is this something that the offense can rely on, or is it just – Basically, because you've been ahead, you've just been relying on that ground game. Yeah, I think it's it's mostly because they they want to establish the run early because the West Coast offense, and that's what Mike McCarthy's running from a scheme standpoint, uh, that West Coast offense needs the run to be effective, and it needs to, to provide chunk yardage, uh, through, especially in between the, the tackles because that's where you keep a defense on their heels and, and they're not allowed to really – uh, not able to pin their ears back and blitz, happy. and uh, They have to, to, to remain gap sound. So I think they're trying to establish it early, but then, like you said, the, the last two weeks, they've, they've really put games out of hand early. So even when they're trying to establish the run, uh, they, they've had to, to continue that throughout the entirety of four quarters. They haven't had to throw from, from behind and, and put Dak Prescott in a spot where he has to throw 40 passes uh, they, they won the time of possession battle last week, 42 minutes to, to 17. I mean, that's what it was, and it was one of the best time of possession wins in Cowboys franchise history. So if they can continue to control time of possession by running the ball effectively, I think Mike McCarthy is, is going to be just fine as a play caller. It's not necessarily how many carries. It's just how long they can carry the ball uh, or how often they can hold the ball and how often they can move the chains to keep drives alive. Yeah, these first two games outscoring the opposition 70-10. to 10. We'll see what awaits here on Sunday. Kyle, appreciate the time. Best of luck after this Sunday. It's always an adventure <laughs> when the Cowboys come to town, but uh, looking forward to week three. Yeah, I appreciate you having me as always, and, and you guys do great work over there for the, for the Cardinals. And keep, uh, keep on rolling. This will be a fun one on Sunday. Good stuff there from Kyle. Appreciate him joining us on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, that conversation was done on Thursday before the news about Trevon Diggs. So that is something that no one likes to hear or see, is that as one of your starters go down late in the week. In fact, the Cardinals had it just a week ago Friday when Buda Baker suffered a hamstring injury during practice and now is on injured reserve. But let's go back to where Kyle and I picked up our conversation. That is talking about Micah Parsons. Again, he is the most dominant player, offense or defense, at least in my opinion, Zach, right now in the National Football League, the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week, and someone that, yeah, Josh Dobbs is going to have to know where number 11 is when he breaks the huddle, comes up to the line of scrimmage. And the key with Parsons is he lines up so many different spots. It's not just going to be against DJ Humphreys. It's not just going to be against Paris Johnson. It could be against the center or the guard. We've seen that before. So everyone on that line of scrimmage, including the tight ends, are going to have to be aware. All right, Parsons on my side. Okay, great. 
Let's just snap the ball and see what happens. <laughs> did you see the video before we get into that? Did you see the video of Micah like imitating Miles Garrett? Yes, right over the center and then chasing down. How demoralizing yeah. is that as a center <laughs> when you see the the star that you're about to just nail? Like you guys are about to just run right into each other, and he's he's making a basketball move and still executes it. That's just the dominance that Micah Parsons plays with. Paris Johnson Jr. said that he's not invisible, and he's a big body. Micah Parsons is one of those athletes you make in a lab and you put him out onto that field just by his body structure, his physical abilities, his mental stamina, how no matter what side of the ball it's on, he's going to do whatever he can to get to the quarterback. He is as good, I agree, as, as dominant of a player on either side of the ball. The beauty of it is, though, is that you have two tackles on both sides, that are very capable of stopping a Micah Parsons. Drew Petzing said he's not sure if you can stop Micah Parsons. He said that with the chuckle. So they do have a plan in place, but Micah and number 11 being Micah Parsons is one of the best players in the world, period. And you had a chance to speak to Paris specifically about this matchup. And this is a matchup that even going back to when Paris was drafted, I remember him being in this very studio alongside Paul Calvisi and myself and talking to Paris Johnson about some of those matchups, i.e. against Amica Parsons. And he was even then looking forward, and this was all the way back at the end of April, early May. So it's a matchup that everyone is going to be watching. I think there might even be, I don't know, can you can you have a... Can you have just a camera focused on number 11 and there pay is. attention to have There is, period. <laughs> that is true. There's always at least one. And depending on what angles Fox gives you as far as replays, yeah. So pay attention to that. But this is a matchup that these two, talking about Paris and Micah, know one another from their high school days, but they've never competed against each other. Yeah, so from Micah was, I guess it was his, one of his first years at Penn State and uh, Paris Johnson Jr. was at a camp. And when he was in high school and since then they started, they exchanged pleasantries with each other and they've been having light smack talk since then. I re-listened to that podcast that you did with Paris. He said he was watching film all the way back then. And now he's, he's kind of had this date circled on his calendar for a while. That smack talk is about to come to fruition at State Farm Stadium on Sunday at 125. And Micah Parsons is one of those players, it's like a Shohei Otani, a Patrick Mahomes, that your eyes just automatically gravitate towards. You want to see what number 11 is about to do on the field. Because at any chance, it, it could be magical. And in most cases, it is. So how do you handle a Micah Parsons? Earlier in the week on the Red Sea Report, Lorenzo Alexander mentioned you run right at him because he has the speed to track you down, so the easiest. And I've heard the same thing when people talk about Aaron Donald. You want to go right at them. Yeah, it sounds... It doesn't sound the best way to attack a player like that, but it's better because you you know exactly what you're doing as opposed to worrying about someone coming over your shoulder or whatever and then trying to figure things out. I think a big part of it is just the accepting the fact that Micah is going to get his licks. He's going to get what he, he's going to have numbers on the stat line. You have to accept the, that matter of fact because it's going to happen. He's one of the best players in the world. When you have to when you have that already in your mind and understand that Micah is going to have some noise. He's going to make some noise. You're able I think to clear your mind and right away go after him. And when you run at a guy like Micah Parsons, you got to meet force with force, and you got to do whatever you can to stop him. And if you get him off his timing by half a second, that's enough time for Josh Dobbs to sling the ball or to look at a different read and try to get the ball out there or running back to find a hole. 
that's so I, I I would only assume that that's the way to stop Micah Parsons is by running at him. But there's a reason why I'm here in this chair, Craig, <laughs> alongside you, because we're not in that meeting room uh, getting ready to stop the sheer lion that Micah Parsons is. The key is for the Cardinals not to fall behind and not to fall behind by a lot. And what happens if the Cardinals do get off to an early lead, whether that's 3 nothing or 7 nothing? This Cowboys team has not had to play from behind. So what happens when they face a little adversity this early in the season? Everything has gone brilliantly for the Cowboys so far in two weeks. What happens in week three if the tables get turned just a little bit because that's where I think the Cardinals, if you can get off to an early lead, might be able to have and be able to hang and maybe even surprise not only basically themselves but everyone else across the league. Before that, it just came to mind. I think that Micah Parsons is also going to be a really great test for this offensive line before they go play Nick Bosa the following week in San Francisco. Knowing that you're going to have two elite pass rushers in back-to-back weeks, you're automatically going to be in that sort of mindset ready to go knowing what you're what you're about to expect there. When it comes to the Cowboys potentially facing adversity, this Cardinals team has started off strong in both two weeks. If games were only three quarters long, the Cardinals are 2-0 right now. Being able to build off of that, the, the Cowboys have only let up 10 points all season between the first two games. I mean, they shut out the Giants, so it was really just in that second game against the Jets. They were able to let go of 10 points on the defensive side of the ball. This Cardinals team has the opportunity to earn the respect of a lot of people in the country. They fought hard against the Commanders. They did not come away with the win. Okay, it's that week one game, Eric Bieniemy. You didn't finish Carroll's penalties. A week two through three quarters, you were incredibly strong. You were incredibly dominant. You had the Giants on their heels, and then Kaiser White said it was like a different team when the Giants came out for that second half. The Cowboys are a very strong unit. But their offensive line has been on the injury report list for the past couple of days. They're starting to deal with uh, some nicks and bumps, as Jonathan Gannon likes to refer to them. This Cardinals team definitely has the opportunity to put that Cowboys team in the spotlight of how they handle adversity. Yeah, the Cowboys' two starting guards, Tyler Smith, he has not played the first two weeks because of a hamstring issue. And Zach Martin on the right side is dealing with an ankle injury. So again... What happens on Sunday? A lot of it is going to fall on Josh Dobbs' shoulders and it's his third straight start in the National Football League. He's never started three games in a row. You have to go back to his days at Tennessee, but he does have a little bit of familiarity with the Cowboys. His first start ever was last season, Week 17, with the Titans, and his first game was against the Cowboys. Yeah, so it'll be great for Josh Dobbs to see another familiar opponent. Once the uh, To go back to the injury report also, the Cowboys' starting center is also hurt his hamstring yesterday afternoon on Thursday at Thursday's practice. He underwent an MRI to determine the severity of it. So they said that he's going to be okay, but that's another player that you have to think about with how much their body is put at use. For Josh Dobbs... I mean, he hasn't been able to see many opponents. He's locked at all the opponents from the sidelines. Being able to see an opponent twice, albeit it's a little bit different of a scheme. Everyone's asking JG about what it's like when you have familiarity through his time in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. I think it'll be helpful for Josh Dobbs to see that star on the other on the other side going against him because it is an opponent that he does have familiarity playing against. One last note here, and that is Dobbs specific because off the field. 
a great story that you wrote and is up on azcardinals.com as far as Josh Dobbs and his connection to a Cardinals cheerleader. Yeah, so I, we found this out earlier on the week, and it, that was a really powerful story. There's a Josh Dobbs is a as being a public figure, being the starting quarterback of an NFL team, one of 32, you're going to be out there. And it's such an incredible thing when you're able to see a guy that does look a little bit different and how he embraces it. Josh Dobbs has alopecia areata, a, a condition, an autoimmune skin condition that forces hair loss. And he said he, he said he started in third grade. He noticed a bald spot on his head, as most third graders do. They don't really think much of it. And then his hair started to grow back and would get patched. He would fall out. By the time he went to college, he decided to shave it off entirely and rock the baldy, as he told me, uh, which I thought was just a pretty <laughs> neat nickname, the baldy. Um, but he said he was going to rock that. And then we found out, and that he's been very vocal about it. It's September's Alopecia Awareness Month. So he's been a very strong supporter of that cause. And then we get told that there's an Arizona Cardinals cheerleader that auditioned in May for the team. In January, she was diagnosed with alopecia. And right, her dream this entire time was to be an Arizona Cardinals cheerleader. And a few months before that, she's starting to lose your hair. And in around March, she said, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do this. Cheerleading such a beauty-based industry. It's very cutthroat. Is this what's meant for me? But she said, no, I work so hard for this. I'm going to try out. And she went into about a week before the audition. She shaved her head entirely and she went in and it was a very empowering moment for her. As she said, and the entire cheer team, they all were cheering her on. She said that they made her feel beautiful and special and she didn't feel much different than anybody else. And even if there was a feeling of difference, it was one that she was beginning to embrace. And she met Josh for the first time after Thursday's practice and the two interacted. And it wasn't like your typical blow by. Let me just take a picture Thank you. Have a good day. Josh was talking to her and he was giving her advice. He was telling her about the alopecia convention that they have. People of all ages coming together and they're able to share their experiences and share their stories. And Josh told me, and you'll see it once the article is uploaded on azcardinals.com, if it's not uploaded already, as we're recording this early Friday morning, Josh said to her, or Josh said to me rather, that having somebody like Ellie within your staff, and just in the organization, somebody you're able to share stories with, relate to, and a little bit different. You're Everyone's going through something. What they go through is a little bit more visible than what most other people go through. So to have somebody within the organization, one that Josh is still new in, uh, to come in and to see somebody that looks like him, he said it's, you're, it's, it's a beautiful thing because you're able to share stories and be there for each other if adversity does arise. Great story on azcardinals.com. Videos as well, photos as well on all the social media platforms. But uh, great job by you, Zach, in uh, getting that out not only for us here on Cardinals Cover 2, but everyone else. I strongly encourage everyone to go to azcardinals.com and read that story. Well done. Thank you. If anything, it's also a testament to to Josh Dobbs and Ellie both being willing to share their story. It's not a comfortable thing to be able to sit in front of the cameras. And um, I don't want to necessarily use the word expose yourself, but you're bringing light to the situation. It's not something that people in social media, ignorance is a thing. Yep. Josh Dobbs said that to me. Everyone's going to make their comments. People were taunting him as he was in college, and they were using that as as a heckling tactic to get over that and to embrace that, to say, hey, 
I'm different and that's okay. It was a really powerful thing. And I think regardless of what people are going through in life, it's something that they could look at and learn something from. Both Dobbs and Ellie will be on display for everyone to see on Sunday. Dobbs on the field, Ellie off the field when the Cardinals host the Cowboys. It is week three, Cardinals' second home game. Again, Sunday's game kicks off at 125, 8.30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to everyone behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. Special thanks to Kyle Yeomans of DallasCowboys.com. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.